can't believe it. Here in the underground, we're stuck. We can't get new fashions until we're out. It's awful, just awful. I know, it's bad, but at least we can get into the heads of designers from here. Let's give them bad dreams about all the styles we never want to see again. What? Good idea. Let's assault them with neon spandex every night so that no one ever has to think of that stuff again. Uh, unless, of course, it backfires. But what is wrong with these people? Even giving them images of John Goodman in a neon yellow swimsuit doesn't make it stop. Oh, the humanity! Now, a podcast so grand. Whoa! So magnificent and so vast, it spans from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. No way! Yes way! But it starts with Phil. How do you choose the best equipment? And Mike. The one that looks the best, dude! <sighs> Phil, Mike, this is really quite simple. Unless you get an A-plus on your final oral report in video game history tomorrow, I have no choice but to flunk the boat of you. Two epic airheads. Mike, we are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow. One time-traveling telephone booth. Uh, strange things are afoot at the Circle K. I'm here to help you with your history report. Who knew the history of video games could be such an excellent adventure? Yo, dude, I have Experience Bar. How do I get experienced? It's like when you learn stuff for a long time, you know? Oh, oh look, Mike. Okay, let's check it out. Hey, who is this old dude? It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. Hey, excuse me, old dude. Do you know if there's any bogus bosses of historic significance here? How's it going, ugly pixelated dude? These are your hosts, Philip Willis. Those are some hot magic slinging babes. And Mike Meeky. The gaming report, not a babe report. And all kinds of games from RPG Backtrack. If you guys are really us, what game are we thinking of? Shining Force, dude! Dudes! This is Phil and Mike's Excellent RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 169, Super Ego. I am uh, your host with the biggest ego, ego of all, Phil Willis, and this is the other host, Mr. Mike Minky. I do have an ego, but I don't think it's anywhere close to yours, Phil, or uh-uh. else I would uh, take more pleasure in butchering people's names, but I don't. That's right. Nobody's ego is bigger than mine, especially when I have been partaking of Devastator Double Bach Laga, brought to you by the fine boys and girls at Wasatch Brewery. And despite the fact that my ego takes up so much space in this studio, we still have some room to squeeze in two very special guests. First, and not last, is Cassandra Ramen Noodles. Hello. How's it going, Cassandra? Good, good. Okay. And we also have Nathan Nasso Schloman. Um, hi. Welcome back, I Nathan. Up. We've been complaining about my name. <laughs> Woo, it's Nathan. Hey, Nathan. Nathan, give him this. He did something different this time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Woo. Hi. Nathan, I'm going to insert an applause track here. Yay, Nathan. Woo. That's an official applause track. Just, just go copy studio noise from any given sitcom. Everybody will laugh. <laughs> Welcome back, Nathan. Thanks. We're ready to talk about some, some, some Square Enix action today. Yes, this is, you know, we are going to be talking about one of 
this is probably my favorite Square Enix game of all time. Ooh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. And we're specifically talking about Square Enix and leaving Squaresoft stuff in a different category, or... No, this includes all Squaresoft, too. Right, this is my okay. favorite game ever made by Squaresoft, I think. So. Well, and that's why we call our show Super Ego, because this game is called The World Ends With You, and I don't know how much bigger you can make my ego than if you were to tell me that the world will end with me. We'll explain what the title means a little later. It means that the world ends with me. Did you not catch that? It's all about <laughs> me. It's not about you. It's not about him. It's about me. Hmm. So we've got... I think you're trying to tell us something here, Phil. Oh, man. i got lots of stuff to tell you. You know, like Phil's on a new kick. I know that's a surprise. And we got lots of tweeny action tonight. And, and, and... Did you say tweeny or tweety? Tweety. Tweety bird. Okay. Tweety. Tweety bird. The world ends with... Yes, I hate acronyms. Tweety! Oh, Tui. At least I think that's how I pronounce it anyway. Ah. I just call it the world ends. I <laughs> just... That's easy, but it's long words. Hmm. Maybe we'll even chit-chat about some Bravely Default as well. Who knows? We'll do all that and oh so much more. Your comments and your thoughts and your questions. And it's all about... you. Oh, hell no. Who am I kidding? It's all about me. And I say we're going to take a little break and be right back after these commercial messages. Well, Phil, just tell us you're not having a Sweet 16 party. Yay! It's my special day. They're dead and before, just like this. I know your smile, your voice, just like that. You talk to me and I smile right back. I don't believe in fantasy. Sam dresses. Turn. And this is the main event where we just focus on one game, we eviscerate it, and we share the details of all of its guts with you. And today, the game that we shall tear apart with our teething claws is The World Ends With You. This was developed by Square Enix, published by the same released on the Nintendo DS originally in North America on April 22nd, 2008. Of course, if you're into Japanese versions, you could have got that almost a year earlier on July 27, 2007. This is a... Under a different title. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it, yeah, there... It's, it's called... Okay, okay, hold on a second. Let me finish this. This is a single-player and multiplayer action RPG experience and, uh, yeah, in Japan, it's known as It's a Wonderful World. So, you know, you see the movie It's a Wonderful Life, and It's a Wonderful Life is all about being selfless and stuff. So something called It's a Wonderful World means, you know, probably even more selflessness. But then they change the title to The World Ends With You, which just feeds my ego. It makes me but feel very selfish. There's apparently another movie called It's a Wonderful 
it's a wonderful world. That so that maybe is the reason they changed it. And again, there is a reasoning behind the title. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, there's a a character will bother to explain it, the title to you in mid game, which is actually mm-hmm. kind of amusing. To- Okay, okay, okay. Explain to me the multiplayer part. Is that where my friend and I hold the Diaz at the same time and I've got the stylus on the bottom screen and he's using the controller pad for the top screen? That is theoretically one way of doing it. Is, is I think that's probably more referring to Tin Pin Slammer. Yeah, there's also there's a, a sort of early sort of early street pass, when, but it, you could get it from different Wi-Fi signals. But if you had DSs with the Wi-Fi on, they would... Um, like, ex- did the exchange information was just for uh, like building, like building up pins. It's and mostly such. you basically bypass. Basically, this game has a street pass mode back in the early days of DS Street Pass, where you had to have the game running to, to actually get any benefit out of it. Uh, but basically, if you kind of pa- either pass by people or uh, either pass by a DS without the game running, pass by DS with the game running, or just meet random aliens, which they literally say just, you meet aliens, and they give you bonuses. Uh, then just, they get different amounts of the points you need to upgrade your pins. Right. Ah. So, and I never got any anyone with the game, because this was well before <laughs> Yeah. I had, like, I visited a lot of, like, conventions and other places, and by then the 3DS yeah. was out. Far more convenient. Yeah. This is, you know, the days where Kini's kind of meaningful street pass was hard, so I just relied on the aliens. The aliens were my mm-hmm. friends. Same here. Okay, so so that, let this did represent a Nintendo game that was actually trying to use online functionality, though that was unusual at the time. I think. I, I think what's unusual about this game, Mike, and a thing that stuck struck out to me upon first playing is it's one of the few DS games that makes effective use of the touchscreen. Yeah, you know, because I mean, so you know, you got the DS. That was one of their big selling points. Hey, we got a touchscreen on the bottom screen. Aside from the hey, Entry and Odyssey games, hey, those and- maps that you could see all the time using the Castlevanias on DS were great. Having well, this map open all the time really helped. Oh, but what, but how many games use the touchscreen well, effectively, like, not gimmickly, this, effectively? Yeah, this is the game which is up there with like the DS Zelda games for like having really complex and pretty good touch controls for everything. So It also used other functions, like the microphone for various yeah, reasons. Yeah, just blowing the microphone yeah. to get powerful attacks. Mm-hmm. So that, in my mind, with my with my somewhat vast DS collection, this is one of the top three touchscreen games to make effective use of that touchscreen. First place is the Etrian Odyssey series, of course, because I just love drawing my own dungeon maps with the stylus. But this is this is a lot of fun, too. But we'll talk Next more you're going to tell me that having to sketch out those symbols for Dawn of Sorrow in order to make sure the boss actually died was annoying and tedious and a gimmick. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, so many games, it just forces a gimmick. Here it actually, it, it felt to me anyways that it, it did a good job of actually being... Uh... Yeah, this is a game which really kind of showed out. This is how it could be done well. Yeah, exactly. So not me really followed this path, sadly, but... But let's start Let's start talking about the plot and the setting. Who wants to jump into that first? I guess this is what I often do, so I will do this. You start as Neku Sakuraba, I Yes. Is his right. last name right? Sakuraba is his last name. Okay, so I can, can, I'm glad I remember that. He's so, not related Nick, to Motoy, is he? Not as far as I know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it, for um, all we know, it's it's the equivalent of Smith or Jones in Japan. <clears throat> yeah, so Neku, well, he's got this little problem that he's dead. He doesn't know it, but he's dead. And so he's found himself in a bizarre, I guess, purgatory of between being really fully dead for reals and you know being almost alive in which he has to play a game run by the various re- grim reapers running around his hometown of Shibuya Japan and you know try to get back to being alive 
along with all the other people, while they're trying to be murdered by noise and mess, and have to play through all the r- weird random puzzles laid for them by the Reapers, uh, who, you know, are, you know, this... I don't know how to describe all, everything here. This world is kind of crazy, and it's really fun and awesome. And, well, but let's start. This Neku has to go through... He has given one week to try to survive each day, getting through the puzzles. He does so, but, but he... He tries to do so, but you know he can't go it alone. You can't fight alone, so he has to find a partner. And his first partner is Shiki, a fellow girl who's also caught in the same situation as him. And they adventure together, and they argue like crazy. He tries to suffocate her once, once but they don't get along well at all. Uh, he's all coerced but... into strangling her, though. It's um, he doesn't. He's kind of he really regrets it the day after. <laughs> yeah, he really feels bad about it. It's. Uh, yeah, because one of the Reapers, like, there's two of them that bother you. Their names, uh, I think, maybe, what are they? I can't remember their names exactly. There's a guy and a girl. <laughs> she's, uh, like, she's, like, taunting Neku, saying, hey, if you strangle her, we'll get you out of this. And she was just kind of having fun because they get points for killing players yeah, but, or erasing yeah, the, the them. The Reapers, they basically, they need to get points in order to keep their own game going. So just, it's all games within games worlds. Everyone's forced to play a game to keep existing within this weird world called the UG, the Underground. And that and basically includes all the villain reapers. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they get points for killing the you know, off the players. The players just trying to get points to keep going and surviving. Is they kind of hope, hope to actually go back to being alive? And that continues for a week until you fight the big boss who's running the game that week's game and beat him. You get revived. Except no, wait, only Shiki gets revived. Except she doesn't. <laughs> Except she doesn't. Like she's, you're supposed to since you've won, but nope. You're, so instead, they say, "Oh no, we're just kidding. You have to play the game again." And now you know yeah, we're holding Shiki, Shiki hostage to force you to play again. And... Well, yeah, because at the beginning of the um, at the beginning of these ga- the Reaper game, they call it. They they hold like a sort of uh, your most important thing to you as a sort of ransom. For Neku, it was his memories. Because at the beginning of the game, he actually doesn't remember anything except for his own name. They don't find yeah. out until after the first day. He gets those memories back, except for a few missing. I believe surrounding his death. But then Shiki yeah, becomes his um, his more most important thing. Yeah, just, they don't get along well at first. But they really kind of they have a lot of great interactions and play off oh, each other. Yeah, they well. yeah they get close. It's like the first he's the first she's the first friend Neku's made in a long time because he's he's really self centered kind yeah, of kid. He's a loader jerk due to something in the past. I'm sure we all knew someone like that <laughs> before. Yeah, just Neku is not a great guy in the start. He's really annoying and he. But this is the point. He's supposed yeah. to be super annoying. It's exactly. a lot of this turns off a lot of people early on playing the game. I found, but it uh, they need to stick with it because it really he's got great character developments even across the first seven days. So how he changes how he interacts with Shiki shows that yeah. off really well. I mean, they all go through some great character development. Shiki herself, you find out some very interesting. Should we go into character? Maybe go into characters a little later, or should I just go into this now? I might as well go to it now. She's the main focus the first seven days. So. Okay, so Shiki is uh, you. After a point, you meet into like the first boss, which is uh, Yodai Higashizawa. That's his name. He's a big looking guy. He taunts her and tells her that he like he can feel, he can taste her jealousy because he's got this weird sort of cooking and food metaphors that he likes to spout. Everyone is a gimmick in this game. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, so Shiki gets a little weirdly standoffish. Neku thinks he's at, she's acting odd. And then, like, sometime later, they find somebody in the real world that looks exactly like her. Shiki freaks out. 
yeah, and then later, you know, you know, they, they exist in this weird world called the underground, but this world kind of exists in an overlay over the real world, so they can see all the real world going on around them. They just kind of walk through people. It, yeah, it's like it's like a higher plane where they can see the real world, but they can't usually interact with it except by entering certain stores and a few other ways. But anyway, she sees this girl, and then later she admits to Neku that that girl is her best friend, Ari, that she talked about a few times before. The yeah, reason she. she yeah, the Shiki herself, the, the appearance you see her all around is this flashy red-headed girl, but that's not her real appearance. That's an appearance of her best friend, which she kind of jealously stole, and she, he, he, he died and entered the underground. Yeah, that was her, her entry, her, own, her real appearance, which is she looks a slightly more drab than uh, the Shiki that you normally see. Black hair, plain-looking outfit, glasses. Yeah, she's really this you know, shy, modest girl who mm-hmm. doesn't really normally you know, wear the, even the kind of stuff that her friend does. But yeah, so and she even at like she um, what am I trying to say? She even starts acting like airy a bit, being all cheerful, yeah, and uh, optimistic and such. But then as she late later, she hears Airy say that um, she misses her friend Airy. This is her friend Shiki because Shiki had died in an accident. They don't say what kind yeah. of accident. Yeah, she, then, the thing about Shiki always looked up to Ari and always thought felt so inferior to her. But then, yeah. only upon hearing Ari talk, and realized that Ari kind of looked up to her the same way. So mm-hmm. it kind of helped improve her self confidence. And, yeah. and she uh, lost, lost her jealousy. Steam. Yep. So she becomes a better person, and Neku, her friends are better realizing, hey, she's kind of you know she's kind of like me in a way, kind of lonesome sometimes. And then later they beat the boss, and then Shiki gets taken as his entry fee. Sorta. We'll explain that a little later. Okay, so I guess next week two then. Week two, Neku is like he's like I know this, I've done this, I, I don't like being here again, but I will win for Shiki's sake. And but he kind of goes around to try to meet people and meets the most bizarre of allies and obnoxious. <laughs> yes, um, his name is Yoshia Kiryu or Joshua as a nickname because I'm pretty sure yeah. Yoshia is just a Japanese way of saying Joshua. Yeah, he's you know. This mysterious white-haired pretty boy who is... His name's a pun, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's... Well, he's aloof and so aloof and kind of drags Neko around. He's hardly interested in the game at all and seems to be off going off on his own agenda, doing all kinds of things. But he's a powerful ally who has a lot of insight into the game. That's super mysterious. And and he likes to get on Neku's nerves a lot. Yeah, he's he, he's a guy who loves trolling Neku. Just, mm-hmm. He has so much fun with that. Uh He's also a powerful telekinetic who, you know, hardly even uses the main weapons everyone else does, and so just throws giant, like, throws vending machines and cars at his opponents. Kind of a cool fighting style. Yeah. At this point, you, uh, well, he also later gets, like, an upgrade because some very powerful enemies come out of nowhere. That he, like, like, uses beams of light. He can just float up into the air and rain down beams of light to destroy all his foes whenever he wants. So he's, he's... very overpowered, actually. No, very over. And then apparently, the, the Reapers at first think he's actually a living person inside the game. It's a lot more complicated, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, basically, the Reapers even think, he, "Who is this guy? What is this guy?" They don't know. But he's just kind of dragging Neko around, doing kind of mysterious stuff, talking to random people, makes some various revelations to Neko, like how yeah. apparently this one guy running a cafe Nathan is kind of a good friendly advisor in the first week it turns out to be in fact the the, the designer cat who was you know the person Naku's most looked up to before dying so he's like oh and stuff like that yeah he's also one telling Neku this, he's the one who's explained that it's uh, Hanakoma is his name he's the one who explains the game's title the world ends with you he basically explains it like this every person is their own world 
and every and everybody who makes a connection to another person expands their world. So all connections you make, the friends you make, you know, the uh, relationships you have, this expands your world more and more. So Neku is his own little world because he didn't he doesn't have any it's friends. It's kind of like a way of saying that you know just you 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 define the boundaries of your own worlds. Mm-hmm. If you want the world to be bigger and include more people, you can just kind of really the meaning of it all. Like yes. But anyway, um, also, he Joshua reveals that the person that runs the underground, at least the underground for Shibuya, is a someone called the Composer. He's the one yeah, that there's... runs the games. He's the one that orders the other, um, sh- the Reapers, to d- do what they're supposed to do. He yeah, there's basically, wants... mm-hmm, sorry. There's yeah, basically you, you two people in charge who are... Well, it's, it's a hierarchy. You have uh, the Composer below him. Is the, you have the um, composer at the top, below him is the conductor. Who's, the conductor, yes. The composer designs the game, the conductor runs the game. Yes. Then there's the game masters who run each week, and then there's all yes. the other... Supporters. And there's the other, re- like, different reapers, that they don't quite go into detail as to who's below what. Yeah. But, yeah, so then... And, and sorry, um, Joshua wants to find the composer so he can, like, hijack Shibuya and take it over himself. Because, why not, I guess? Yeah, he's, you know, enigmatic, mysterious... Trying to hijack the game. Yes. Oh, and also this week introduces uh, Sho Minanimoto as the um the, like the main the game master, the main boss, and he's hilariously over the top crazy. He's got these math. So Zeta slow. So, oh yeah. So Katoa. He just loves his math um puns and metaphors. And oh, he he's likes to get... make these giant um like uh I guess uh, art displays of junk for some reason. Yeah, he's a, some kind of math-obsessed, abstract art, modern artist who, who thinks he's you know the the greatest guy ever and wants to become the um, the composer himself or at least yeah, the conductor. Because if you if you can take down a composer, you can become the composer. Because apparently that's yeah, how. It... Yeah, that's how it works. Basically, you you start, start want to be reapers can can become conductors, conductors can become composers, and then who knows. <laughs> Well, yes, and then so and show is the one. Yeah, he, as I said, he wants to be. He oh. wants to be the composer, and uh, I feel like I'm missing. Some, I'm missing. Uh, this is something I want to go on to before we move oh, on. Well, she probably mentioned beat, but this, this oh yeah, that's right. And beat and rhyme, though she kind of yeah. Leaves, See, uh, beat and rhyme are like two characters you meet in the first week, where like, they're they're siblings and teammates, but they don't. We don't know their siblings pro- until the third week, though. Yeah, they don't really talk about that too much. They just present themselves as friends, but. Hey, but Rhyme is well. She's killed off in the first week, like she loses the game, but which basically causes Beat to lose. Except you know he manages to survive, so he's given the chance to become a Reaper. So from the week two, he's a Reaper. He's a really lousy one since he has no heart for doing it, but he's technically a Reaper during the second week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because <laughs> pl- people who die can become players. Players can become Reapers. Reapers can become composers. Or, or, uh, reapers can become conductors. Conductors can become composers. Basically, the flow of things. You all, you always have to kind of beat the person above you in, in the game in order to progress the further mm-hmm. that path. Josh was claims basically a player is trying to hijack the whole thing, in, skipping a few steps. And yeah, it's show too the uh, the, yeah, uh, the he, boss guy. Yeah, and also in order to achieve his end, he summons forth the taboo noise, which we haven't mentioned on that. But noise are the monsters you fight just randomly. There's story ways are not too important to the fact that they exist and they're trying to kill you and you have to fight them off on the cut. Yeah, they're explained as being like soul static, if that makes any sense. Like, there's... Yeah, they're like, you know, all the evil feelings you have, it's kind of vented off and becomes a monster in the EG. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a monster attacking, latching onto you, making you mean or whatever. They're, you know, they're basically the shadows from Persona. Not really <laughs> any different. Okay, so I guess we can wrap this. I guess we try to wrap up this week. So uh, they they take on uh, show for the final 
battle, but show is still trying to. But oh no, that's right. I have to get it to the uh, the the uh, the, the uh, dr- like the dream or the vision. Naku gets. He tries to scan Joshua because, and I have to go back again. Every player yep. in the game gets a special pin. If you ever see that black skull design, that is the player pin. Every player gets that when they enter, and they need that to read other people's minds and do some other things. Yeah, there's lots of game mechanics to go to. Reading other people's minds is one of those random game mechanics. Mm-hmm. So, like, Neku, thinking he may not be a player exactly, tries to read his mind because players are not supposed to be able to pl- read the minds of other players. But when he does, he gets this image of himself in the in a street and then it looks like he's about to be shot by Joshua. It usually, like, it blacks out of that before he actually gets shot. Then later on, he gets a flashback of Sho... And the show is the one who apparently shoots him. And so he thinks, oh, this guy's the one who actually shot me. Because at first he thought maybe Joshua killed him for some reason. Yeah, it's like, he, he, Neku is like, he thinks Joshua shot him, so he gets suspicious. But then he later realizes, oh, wait, no, he wasn't shot. He did, wasn't the one who shot me. And then it's okay, he can actually be a friend like I wanted him to be. And then it kind of yeah, goes so crazy take... from there. Yeah, so he goes on. So show tries to attack him both by... With this special spell, um, it's actually crazily called the level. I actually remember this. It's the level I flare. You know how like there's the level five flare in Final <laughs> Fantasy games, except it's I yep. as in um, imaginary numbers. So I don't even know yeah. how that's supposed to work. Wait, there's probably a lot of imaginary numbers floating around the machine. <laughs> I'll, I'll accept that. Is, isn't that the square root of negative one? I'm trying to remember here. Yeah, that's the square root of negative yes. one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea what kind of number that would actually turn into. Uh, it would baffle your mind with um, a flare that you can't see because it doesn't really exist. I don't know. <laughs> yes. But yeah, but, so Joshua takes this attack from Sho and they both seem to have died. And so Neku wins the game again, or so it seems. Except, you know, the game's not over yet as there's still the third week. Neko again wakes up in the UG and what the heck, why am I still stuck in this stupid game? And this time, the Reapers have cheated. They have yeah. cheated bad. Because this is a game in which you need a minimum of two players to win, and he's the only player. Yeah, because his entry fee was all the other players, because that sounds fair. Yep. However, he beats the guy who's turned into Reaper for week two, comes back and says, no wait, I'll be your teammate, and so even though Beats shouldn't technically be a player, he becomes one by rejecting being Reaper, and so those are the pair who have to basically win the entire game on their own. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is where you find out that Rhyme is, that the Rhyme girl from earlier is his sister. What, what happened is that uh, Beat was having an argument with his parents, he runs away, Rhyme tries to look for him, and then it's like Rhyme's about to be hit by a car. Beat tries to push her out of the way. They both get killed. Or yeah, just tragic story with the two of them. But mm-hmm. they're still trying to get alive. Except, you know, Rhyme herself has been. She's still kind of alive, but she's been basically transformed into a noise linked to a pin. Mm-hmm. And so that's all that's left of her for during week two and three. But she's still Beat. It's still trying to hold on to her in the hope of reviving her. And yeah, because. He hopes to uh, overthrow the composer in order to become the composer and have enough power to bring her back to, to life and bring the rest of them back to life. So that's why he became a Reaper in the first place, to keep her yeah, alive uh, and to get them out of there. He's kind of a musclehead punk, but he's a really good guy, so you yeah. gotta root for him. And he's the hardest to control out of battle-wise, but I guess we'll get, to get into that later. At least I found it. Yeah, he's the hardest to control, but he's so powerful if you get him right. <laughs> I never could. <laughs> but... So yeah, so week three, um, they are fight. They're facing off against that lady whose name escapes me right now. Shh. 
Another some... person who wants to become a higher ranked person. Yeah, she, yeah. She's also hopes that when if somebody else, yeah, somebody else becomes a composer, she could become the conductor because you know. Yeah, she, I think she teams up with. Yeah, just spoiler alert: Shomanami Noto is not actually killed in the second arc when you think he is. Instead, revives himself into some kind of freaky taboo noise reaper hybrid. Which oh, her name is Mitsuki what? Konishi. There we go. Yeah, Konishi is her name. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so they go. They try to you know beat the game uh, and and try to take you know to take out the composer because it sounds like a great idea. Take out the composer. Let's get ourselves out of here and revive everybody. Yeah, they're sick of that loop of being stuck week after week in this yeah. mess. Especially after they basically cheated. Uh, yeah. All right. See, Konishi is defeated, and then they try to find the uh, the composer. They meet the conductor instead. Um, a guy with glasses. First name is Megumi. I can't remember his last name for the life of me. It's kind of unusual because Megumi is usually a girl's name in Japan. Um, uh, they fight him, and they tr- they fight him. They they defeat him. Like they, you know, it's like a two stage boss. They defeat him once. Yeah. He, yeah, it's uh, like he's a tough boss because the first stage is tough on its own. They have to immediately go into fighting his second form, in which is actually one of the coolest battles I've seen in almost any RPG and because of the way it works. It just it combines so many game mechanics and story elements together so perfectly. It's mm-hmm. really hard to describe and unless you actually really play the game to get how cool it is, but it's yeah. a cool fight. Oh yeah, and this is where also you find out that Joshua is somehow still alive. And yep. then somewhere uh, in the background, he kills Shomunami Moto without you know even a big much fanfare. So. Yeah, you find him under a pile of junk. Though the fact that his body's still there might hint that he might still be alive, but who knows? So what am I? So yeah, so he so when uh, the conductor sees that Joshua sees Joshua, he kind of grabs him and powers himself up to become a gigantic dragon noise. And the battle ensues after you defeat that boss. Then Joshua reveals himself. To have actually he's, been the composer the whole time. Yeah, he's been the guy running this the entire time. And not only that, that there's been a game with the, a kind of super game between him and the conductor that's been super, kind of surrounding everything involved in it. Mm-hmm. He actually is the person who killed Neku, the, who, who, after all, however, just because he chose Neku to be his representative in this game, basically, he made this wager with the conductor that, you know, that's. You know, hey, the conductor said, "Oh, hey, like basically, Josh said, hey, I want to destroy Shibuya.'" The conductor says, "No, I love Shibuya. Uh, let me stop this." And they said, "Okay, let's play a game." And said, you know, "Just he challenged the conductor to defeat Neku, and if he couldn't, he said he'd destroy Shibuya. If he could, he'd save Shibuya." And there's other stuff involved in the, involving the method of how he intended to save Shibuya, but it, so it, yeah, yeah, there's this like this sort of subplot we missed about them distributing these pins to try to make everybody think the same thought. And, yeah, like, they wanted one, to brain control one, everyone with these weird. Yeah, one giant hive things. mind, which doesn't really sound like a really good idea at all. But... Yeah, it's not really the Shibuya anyone wanted, so that's why they fight so exactly. hard against the conductor to stop this. And so basically, <laughs> the game's got this crazy ending where they basically it seems like Josh is like, "Oh yeah, time, I, I won the uh, this, I won the game." Now I'm going to destroy Shibuya, and then the hero, uh, Neku, vanishes, and, well, then that's the ending. You win. Uh, Shibuya's not destroyed. He's just, well, basically pranking well, everyone all yeah. over it, because that's what he does. Yeah, because to go into more detail there, uh, he c- c- challenge like, uh, Joshua challenges Neku to one more duel, like a literal duel with guns and such, and then Neku hesitates. You're not sure if anyone shot anybody, but then there's a flash, and Neku finds himself back in the, in the uh, Shibuya scramble. Which is the exact place that every three previous week started. And there's yeah. this shot of Neku going, what the hell? Yeah, they just shouted out. And it's actually not... It's never 
fully explained if he's in the real world at that time. If he has a fourth week never seen, it's still a discussion to this uh, day. I don't think the fourth week the hypothesis is really... No, I, I think it, it kind really of looks like me. some of the people are like looking at him like, what are you doing there, kid? Yeah, it's like, it's, it doesn't, there's no fourth week that's really needed. He's one. Yeah. It's just, I think it's just the, the what the hell is more to not Joshua's where he is, but rather sure. where he was, the situation he just came out of and yeah. just Josh messing with him and making no sense. Making uh, him think, oh no, not again. Oh, no, not again. So then at the very end, you, like Neku has a monologue about how the time he spent there has really changed him and how, oh, I have friends now and how he would, like, even though he doesn't, like, he doesn't completely forgive, he doesn't really forgive Joshua, but he still trusts him and considers him a friend. Mm-hmm. And if you get the super special secret ending, you get to see uh, Joshua as the composer from afar. Except watching. Chloe grown up at Joshua, who got angel wings stuff. Yes. And you also find out Hanakoma is an angel. Yeah, apparently that you know, Hanakoma, uh, uh, aka Cat, is in fact the producer, who's you know the, the angel helping run the solo object thing. Which apparently, you know, Reapers can become the composer. The composer basically can become an angel, and that's yes. how the whole evolutionary thing works and such. And basically, there's a set of secret files in this game, much like say a Kingdom's Hearts game, and much like a Kingdom's Hearts game, it's a kind of unnecessary story that doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't really relate to the main story at all, but. But it's fun to uncover because it, it explains all sorts of little things about the lore and the characters. You find out that Hanakoma was actually helping show this whole time because he doesn't want to see Shibuya destroyed either. But because he broke several taboos, he's actually on the run from the Yeah, he's apparently some kind of fallen angel who's on the run. And it's a kind of as an over-complex story that doesn't have much relation to the main story whatsoever, but that's post-Kingdom of Hearts random post-game stuff for you. Oh, and also, uh, the, the Another Day, that's a fun one. Yes, after you beat the, all seven weeks, you get to go on to Another Day, which is, this. basically, this game parodies itself. All the characters show up, and you get Neku, who starts talking about, oh, my emo urges are rising. But he's it's, actually really cheerful, because you find out this is actually a parallel universe. A parallel which, universe, which... Which everybody acts, dif- everybody acts uh, differently. Every acts different, it's just some crazy hilarious Yu-Gi-Oh-esque story built around <laughs> the tin pin slammer oh, yeah, mini that. game. That's yeah, I, I don't I don't remember the whole story, but it does shed a bit of light onto like Neku himself. Like you find out that he lost a friend to a car accident and it made him really depressed, but Hanakoma helped him out. It's never explained in the game why Neku is such a loner jerk, but it's some implication that he lost a friend and it, you know, shot and it shattered him ever since. Maybe it was the same one. Who knows? Still kind of fun to think on. Yeah, you also find Hanakoma there because Hanakoma is hiding in that du- in that other universe from the other angels. Mm-hmm. What you're mentioning here makes me-, me think of either the Mirror Mirror universe in Star Trek or Bizarro World. Yeah, it's something crazy. Like- kind of both. <laughs> <laughs> and also, random thing, you get to the final boss of this Tin Pin Slammer another day thing is Joshua from the main game. Is yes. The, the, the first character there from the second week, who actually, this is literally him showing up, meeting himself from that universe. They have a chat and he lets you fight a boss rush of every boss in the entire game on run row. Yeah, it's kind of hard. Yeah, remember how Joshua disappeared after he took the level I flare? He basically just went to that universe for to chill for a, a week or so. You even get to fight Hanakoma, who is crazy hard and powerful. He is, I'm pretty sure he's the he is. I'm pretty sure he's the hardest boss in the game. I did beat him for to get the uh, the secret report, but only on hard. Anything higher than that, and I just couldn't. Okay, I beat the I beat him on an easier difficulty, nowhere near high enough to get his super pins. It's, I was not able to complete the ultimate Dark Planet set. That is. That is but... 
And what what are the requirements to get the super secret ending you mentioned? Oh, you have to get all of those secret reports, which are and obtained in various ways. Fellowship by doing all kinds of hidden conditions in each of the days, so you can go back to different days with chapter select feature and play through them to get find the hidden stuff, fill out the secret requirements, come get the reports. Yeah, there you go. It's it's all spelled out there in the game. There's really not much of a reason for you to consult a guide for that. But yeah, the game gives a lot of explanation of things. In fact, mm-hmm. more though. So sometimes there are things I did not know because I simply didn't read the guides enough. <laughs> but well, well, there's like I guess pin evolution. It's really hard to figure out without a guide because it's just like yeah, you need this many points and this of this type and this many points of that type. It's not yeah. right, especially since the points have different weightings. But we should probably get to gameplay before we talk about that too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which will take nearly as long as this to talk about. I know. Oh yeah. I did. I'm trying to remember what I said. I had started to play it, and then Max sent me something for review, so I had to set it aside. And actually, I do remember this feature about it that I had a used copy. I had bought it from somebody in Canada. Uh, I got the cartridge. No, I got the case and the manual, but the cartridge did not come with it initially. So I had to tell the seller, uh, "You forgot something." <laughs> and then I got it. I got to just the second day of the first week, and I remember this thing where it, it, it had a feature. Um, the longer you just leave it there in not doing anything, you get you accrue, was it money? Something. Points. You get points. points. Okay, points. So since I did this three years ago or more, I can't even remember right now, but it's been sitting there accruing points for quite a while. It only goes up to a week. Any more than that, and you won't get any more points. Yeah, there's a cap Aww, on yeah. I'm sorry to say. Sorry. You ruined it! Gosh! Also, you also need those points for specific... Like, specific pins can evolve by them, so you okay, have so to... Okay, so let's... Like, yeah. I'll, I'll start talking about pins and pin evolution things. This makes sense to people who... Yeah, yeah, pins. okay. <laughs> yes. Let's, basically, let's Neku, the character, fights using things called pins. They're basically... It's, it can equip six of them. They're all very visible on the bottom screen whenever you fight a battle, and basically they're abilities. They're activated through various touch commands, so like, you know, you can swipe the stylus across the screen to get a physical melee attack, or hold it there to light things on fire, so there's two of the basic ones, or a later one is like, blow into the microphone to send giant sound shockwaves through all Mm -hmm. the battle. Yeah, you can scratch to like, make, like, to lay floating objects, or like, if you sort of tap, or or tap on it to like, make ice, like, icicles shoot up, or sometimes the different, like, Different touch commands might get confused, but it's usually pretty good. And also, you know, there's certain, if there's if there's conflict, there's actually a basic priority you can set to determine which one's activated. Like if you have multiple mm-hmm. hold type ones, they'll just start the first on the list and the second on the list. And they also each have their own duration and cooldown, so it's actually pretty sophisticated system with all these different pins, their own attack power and such. However, you know. It's one thing to have these attacks, but you always want these attacks to be better. So that's where pin evolution kind of pins gain experience through three different routes. And basically, each route experience type has its own color. And based off of which color the gauge is, the dominant color of the gauge determines basically how the pin evolves. So there's the basic type is just fighting, experience through battle. So the more you fight, the more they'll build that up. Then there's standby experience, which is, you know, if you shut the game off and come back to it a few days later, they've gained some points, and that's a different color. And last is the street pass feature. So, you know, if you see, run by a person in street pass mode, you'll get some points for all of your pins. And so there's a kind of complex branching chains for a lot of different pins that, they chain, that you know, you need to build them up with the right color to get different branches on these chains. And, and so it's, you know... This is one of the complex things, but you know, if you play it right, you can get a lot of really cool pins really early in the game. So mm-hmm. that really helps. Yeah, but again, you will need to consult a guide if you want to like get them all or get a specific pin. Although you could you could play beat the game just fine 
by just the ones you get through normal gameplay without knowing, okay, I need to leave them off my 3DS, my D or DS or 3DS for this long, or I need to let it sit there with the Wi-Fi on to get those aliens and such. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is one of the things that, you know, in the amount of standby experience or, you know, experience from st- street passes worth like 10 times as much as battle experience. You need to pay attention to that when waiting, but kind of in how that's aided in the pin, so you don't, you know, accidentally get too much and mess up the wrong color, but... Uh, there's, you know, it's a cool system though. Even though I had to like manually chart all this out myself on hand, from off of copying off an online guide, I would have it on hand while playing the game to know what I'm doing. <laughs> I usually, I, I, for the most part, I almost never looked up to see. Okay, this is how this pin evolves. I just kind of went with it. <laughs> I don't blame you for doing that. You can get a lot of cool pins that you know don't even have to evolve. So. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess we should go to the battle system itself. Yeah, okay. In more detail? This is, when I talked about all the system, the pins, the touch controls, that's one half the battles. Mm-hmm. See, this is the game which is infamous for having battles occurring on both screens simultaneously, and they're different battles, each with their own character you're controlling, simultaneously. It, <laughs> this can be very intimidating, but it's also the heart of what makes the battle so fun. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, on the bottom screen, you've got Neku, you're controlling with touch controls, and on the top screen, you've got one of his three different partner characters who are controlled with, you know, either the buttons or the direction pad. And, you know, their controls are pretty simple. So it's just you hit up, left or right to attack or defend and such. Yes. But, but, you know, what you, what you, they're each character also, those three characters also plays very differently if they're on little mini games. Like Shiki's, her main attacks are very simple. However, she also, she also has a simple matching kind of memory mini game in which you have to like select a card and find other cards to match pairs to upgrade the power of her attacks and charge her special gauge while she attacks her little stuffed animal cat thing which is you know apparently she, everyone thinks she's using telekinesis to control the cat but actually it's more like she makes it come alive or yeah, I if it's just moving on it's on a cord which is actually kind of creepy but. yeah she basically is oh he just kind of does his own thing and Neku actually has a mental aside goes what if it's good it might pork chop us in the back because he has a running gag where he thinks it's a pig she says it's a cat Mr. Mew. <laughs> yep. Mr. Mew is awesome, especially when you, he does this big super transformation attack where he transforms into a giant colossal oh, yeah, Godzilla well, monster and his eye laser everything. Well, yeah, that's part of their special attacks, uh, which are, like, the exact name is eluding me. If you get enough, like, points during, like, the top screen game with one of the characters, you build up their uh, special attack, and then there's, like, a level one, level two, fusions, they're called fusions. Yeah, the fusions. Yeah, so there's level 1, level 2, level 3. Obviously, the 3 is most powerful, but it takes the longest to charge up. And you, Although, if you have certain you have certain abilities, you can actually have it at a higher le- level to start with, so you could just beat enemies off the bat that way. Yeah, there's lots of cool equ- abilities you can equip in this game off of the game's equipment. I guess we'll get into it after we're done with fighting. But so yeah, sh- Shiki's the easiest to spam if you don't... like. Normally, the best way to try to balance the two screens is there's this little green light that passes be- between them called the uh, light puck. Yeah, basically that's what makes the the spell system work. It's like it can Mm -hmm. be so overwhelming having the two different screens that you have to attack and defend simultaneously in both. But the light puck is your guide to make this simple because basically there's this little little green dot which bounces between the characters. Basically, whenever you complete a good attack chain combo, it bounces from is off that character you're controlling. So, for example, if it sits on Neku, have Neku attack with a good attack chain, it'll bounce up to Shiki. Shiki finishes her attack chain and bounces down to Neku. 
Basically, every time it bounces, it increases its strength, and while it's not bouncing, it lowers its strength. While it's on a character, their attack power is multiplied. So basically, the more it bounces, you can keep that chain going, you can vastly multiply their damage, you get like five times or even like ten times damage off of it, which really can turn the time of battle and really mm-hmm. helps guide your eye up and down the screen, which it yes. makes pulse this whole thing together. Yes, like if you're in the beginning, it's easiest for Shiki to kind of just spam it if you're if you're the, if you can't pay attention to it yet, and then later on you've got the other characters that are a bit more complicated that you'll want to pay attention to the light block, and by then you probably you might have had you should have enough practice. For anybody who's really intimidated, this game does have an auto function for the top screen, so you can ignore it entirely and focus on the bottom. Though you won't get good you won't get good um like um drops from that. It's fine for yeah, being but... in the game, not so fine if you want to get good stuff. Yeah, it's not as good if you know you want to you know get all the powerful light puck bonuses and such. So, uh, so also, the must talk about the three characters. Shiki's basically she's the matching cards mini game. Joshua's I, this is like a math mini game. It's a, it's like no, it's basically numbers. I think it has to be higher than, less than, or equal to whatever the number is that show whatever the numbers that you have to choose. And that you know he that's when he takes his cell phone teleport objects. Or if he's floating in the air, that's when he starts raining down laser beams. Mm-hmm. Again, this is you find out about this is because he's actually a freaking powerful composer, practically an angel. That's why he does this stuff. Yep. And Beat's minigame is, well, he, he attacks by kind of surfing around on his skateboard or than just beating things up physically really hard. hard, hard and his special things like kind of a it's actually the difficult, most difficult. I can't it's the most, yeah, it's sweet, sweet cards. Yeah, it's, it's um like something it's something to do with like card games, which I never got it. I kind of just just spammed my way there's poorly. There's like colors you can match, but there's also traps that if you activate them, it, yeah. it breaks his combo, and it it's re- really the most difficult. <laughs> it's, 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 I, I tried not to bother as much as I could. It's, yeah, but things like beats basic attack power is the highest to the three. I'm pretty sure. So yes, but he's also the hardest to use. <laughs> yeah, he's hardest to use. Yeah, but he also like, got this cool attack where he can like surf in on a giant tidal wave of damage to hit. The yeah, enemies. that's pretty cool. But yeah, like on a on New Game Plus, you can choose between the three characters regardless of the week. So I always went with Shiki or um, Joshua. Never bothered with Beat. Sorry, Beat. Yeah, Shiki and Joshua are actually particularly good since they've got nice bonuses to bravery, which means they can equip up much better gear more easily. I suppose someone else will get into. See, there's a lot of game of equipment in this game. It's all different clothing of different fashion styles. Yep. There's like tw- twelve different brands you can buy from. I guess thirteen counting the bonuses, Reaper stuff. Yeah, and... they're all based on the uh, the the um, the Chinese zodiac. So there's like Chinese t- zodiac. So you know, yeah, you've tiger got stuff like and angelic um, rabbit, something that's wild bull, wild boar, yeah, and wild um, boar, wild boar. Um, uh, D and B is buffalo, so cow. Yeah, something in buffalo. Uh, the mouse ratus, which I think is basically mouse and rat together in Latin. Mouse ratus, which is you know, you know, you know super cheap clothing, mass market clothing, uh, like in Wait, just, you know, cheap T-shirts on sale. Latin actually used mouse and rat for the same things that we do. Uh, I think most. I think mouse is a mouse. I think mouse is mouse and ratus is rat. So not really. Okay. Both rat and mouse because you know they're both rodents. I guess. Yeah, like Lapin Angelique, the rabbit. Yeah, one. that's it's, the one I was thinking know, of. It's yeah. basically gothic leader <laughs> fashion, and then there's like the Pegasus one, which is all super fancy, high-end suits and very fa- and very expensive watches. Uh, very the, expensive. The, the dragon one is like imported Chinese goods from Hong Kong. 
and so forth. Like they all got their own styles. They all have different bravery requirements, which is basically like you know, just wearing a t-shirt has requires like nothing in bravery, but want to like wear a skimpy bikini requires crazy high bikini bravery and such. Like you can level this up, so eventually you can get naked to the point where you can equip the skimpy bikini. But no, that takes while grinding. It's just easy to give it to Shiki. So, and also every area of uh, Shibuya in the underground has like a different rating for each of the different fashion uh, brands. And you can either follow it to get bonuses or you can wear certain types and change it. Some of the Reaper missions actually require you to wear a certain brand or to change the brand Mm-hmm. Uh, type in the area. So that's got kind of pretty... If you want to pay attention to that, it's pretty neat. Also, you don't have to, but you can equip... It. You don't have to do this, but by yeah. equipping a full set of, of the same brand for on one character, you give special bonuses, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a lot of depth to this system, and that's like, that's just the equipment. Because there's all, in addition to just raw stats, also you have tons of different special abilities, like, you know, if you're in critical health, the X happens, or you start the battle on critical health, or... Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't even think of all of them, but... Oh, yeah, like I the, really, like, the one I mentioned earlier about the fusion starting early, you have one that'll like a special like a, a special pin that if your health is below a certain level, it'll automatically heal you with the item with the uh, pin, like the healing pin you have equipped. Very useful there. Uh, if you have a certain set of pins, it'll make you completely invincible for a, or at least one of the characters completely invincible, so you can control if they're standing still. That's how I beat Hanakoma. That's the only way I could. I had that set, <laughs> and then I had Joshua pummel him with laser beams. Yeah, that's just. This game gives you so many options to mess around with for how to fight through it. It's just mm-hmm. incredible. And not, there's also kinds of crazy little hidden mechanics like you know eating food, which basically you can eat food. Which each real life day, there's hey, there's so much capacity you have to digest food, and digesting food it boosts their stats permanently and so forth. Well, it's uh, actually I think it's isn't it based on how many battles you've had? You'll digest it, or maybe or maybe it'll go by naturally, and then if you battle, it'll, uh, okay, you'll basically digest each it battles yeah. will cause it to digest, but there's still only so many. Basically, battles make it digest, so you can eat the next f- food. We can only eat so much food per day. It's a yeah, okay, yeah, I guess, yeah, I think so. Like you know, eating a hamburger fills up four squares of your twelve. Once you're done, uh, once you're done with all twelve, you you know wait until the next day. Mm-hmm. Also, every character has their own preferences for food. Some will like uh, Shiki like sweet things. Uh, Neku doesn't like it as much. For some reason, Joshua likes cordyceps. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I think Beat tends to like like burgers and such. I think. Yeah, something like that. And you know, just that means that if they like it, it makes them less full, so you can put give them more food within that day. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, that just finally reminds me. One of the stores is a Mex is a uh, Mexican hot dog restaurant. I was so like, what? And they actually like the sh- the shop people actually say things in Spanish. Bienvenidos, muchas gracias. Like, why are you here in Tokyo? Because that's just what the Japanese often do. They approximate whatever they can from another culture, regardless of whether it's <laughs> why accurate. Hot dogs? <laughs> uh, because. When you think of Mexico, you think of hot dogs. I of don't course. know what the heck is going on here. I always <laughs> think of hot dogs when I think of Mexico. Don't you? <laughs> and just to talk a bit about the setting, like this, uh, I, I've actually been last year to Tokyo in Shibuya. I was trying my best not to run around like a crazy fangirl looking at all the familiar sites. And, but, it, like, the game really gets it down very accurately. Some of the names are changed on purpose. They file off the names so they like, change the numbering on the big numbered building. Yeah, so. like, the ta- like Tower Records is Tawa Records, and uh, the 109 building is 104 and such. But, yeah, like, it's really accurate down to the... And it's really neat to see all that there. Japan still and, has yeah, and Tower Japan. Records? Yeah, they still have a Tower Records. I, I actually bought uh, an album there and looked around. It's pretty cool. 
that's about the last one left in the world. <laughs> uh, I just and also to mention that you can explore this town and it's not too big, but it's full of people who all you know, read the thoughts of, and mm-hmm. it's also full of noise who you know are actually non-aggressive. You don't have to fight random encounters in this game, pretty much <laughs> at all. A few, that, like a few uh, special ones, might like, like I think they're like special bosses. And, no, the bosses stand still, but I know some of them might actually. Like, it's the black noise, the taboo yeah, they, noise yeah, will chase noise you down, but you know, only if you open the mind reading menu. So. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you know, unless you, unless you're looking for a fight, you have no reason to fight anything, and yet you'll probably spend a lot of this time game fighting because it's fun and rewarding, and that's one of the many things I love about this game. It, it makes fighting something you choose to do because it's fun, and uh, it's. You never are forced into fighting if you're feeling like you're just running around or anything. If you're just trying to backtrack or look around. But also, if you're looking for fights, there's tons of fighting to be had. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, like the game can be super easy if you set to the easiest difficulty mode and don't worry about chaining. But alternatively, you can just ramp up the difficulty lead to the highest mode, chain up like 10 fights all in a row so that you're stronger with each battle and have a giant super tough fight. Mm-hmm. And it rewards you for doing this, because, you know, the harder it is, the cooler the stuff you get, enemies will drop. The yeah, more fights the you draw, uh, do, the, you know, the higher the drop rate. And also, mm-hmm. the lower the level you set, because you can set your level. You, know, you can just drop yourself to level one, and that tr- increases item drop rates. Yeah, so, you know, if you're game, after this... Yeah, because level in this game doesn't actually like determine your stats. That's from like eating food. It's actually it just determines how much HP you have. So yeah, you know, you're taking a risk by going around with one hit with level one, but it's not you know crippling. Mm-hmm. And also you know going with level one means the drop rates like if you're can be like fifty percent, like plus fifty percent practically for some things. Yeah, it's like really high. Basically, by the, like by the something point. that's like a point five percent drop rate, you can you can turn it to a hundred percent drop rate mm-hmm. by a kind of mix of lowering your level and fighting enough battles. And, and so. you should be good. In, like at that, when I was good enough to really get the, the battle system down, I pretty much just walked around all the time with one HP, even against the final boss. I had to raise it yeah. for Hanakoma because freaking. You know, he's hot at home. At the same time, like he has a rare pin in his highest difficulty mode, so you, you well, I, I, I'm not. I didn't get that. I just beat him on a, like the, the lowest level I could for the the secret report, secret report. I see. Yeah, getting that. If that's your only way of getting the black Jupiter pin, it's going to be hard. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't care. <laughs> just like, nope, you're too hard. <laughs> nope. Luckily for me, that was the pin they randomly selected to be available in the store, so I didn't have to fight him in order to get it. But yeah. Uh, I, I got sick of chasing down the frogs to get the other hidden ones, so I never got the full set. Um, but yeah, just I love grinding this game. It it's a weird thing to say, but I love grinding this. Yeah, it, battles are super fun here. Like it's it's one of my most favorite battle systems in the game ever. Definitely yeah. the most original. It's super original, super creative, and it works. It mm-hmm. really works. Everything in this game is this game is the most incredibly imaginative thing that. It changes the genre entirely. It's the yeah. most forward-thinking, and it just it breaks out all of all the bad conventions that RPGs hold on to on occasion, and it mm-hmm. try, twists them around between its strengths. And it's, Even pokes fun at it sometimes. Like unique. Though there's one word that can describe this game. If you have to, unique is it. It's super unique, and it works really well. It's a ton of fun. This is why. So you know, Mora did something right. Yes, the action and his his art style well, actually no, okay. works perfectly for this game. No, Mora, he really didn't have much hands-on on this game. He designed the two characters, Neku and Shiki. He basically laid down some of the direction, like, oh, that you'll fight on two, both screens at once. But otherwise, he more or less was hands-off with this one, leaving to the other development staff, who, you know, they are the ones who ran with it and did a great job. 
and were then yeah. subsequently rewarded by being asked to make Final Fantasy all the bravest. I don't know what they've done since. <laughs> well, I, I'm guess I, I'm pretty sure the like the main reason we haven't seen a sequel is because everybody is working on a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yeah, they are basically you know, the iOS version they in, in sort of tease of you know. Of- a girl, uh, maybe a, a new girl. character, which might be a which might be a sequel. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a new character who's wearing you know Naker's headphones and holding Shiki's Mr. Mew. Who it, it's like you know they're teasing something there. It wasn't fair, but you know if there was a sequel, it probably got canceled somewhere. Well, in I think it's it's probably just part. on hold for now. At least, like, or maybe I'm just being hopeful. <laughs> I'm gonna let's, be hopeful. Let's be therefore. fair here. Myself, Final like, Fantasy 15 has yeah, been in development for a decade now, yeah, right? Yeah, it's got Final Fantasy 7 and Kingdom Hearts 3, and it's probably where all their bloody time is. Yeah, I'm assuming that somewhere when time gets freed up, that like near, which got its awesome sequel coming, that this one will get its chance, I hope. But... Yeah, we'll have to see how that, and what, what, what system it'll be on. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe 3DS? Uh, who, who knows? At- yeah, we haven't. Knows. We didn't see anything at E3, which probably means it's not coming out this year. Oh, uh, yes. uh, nah. So maybe in X. Who knows in the future? Who knows? Yeah, gotta wait and see. And, I, uh, I really, uh, hope, I really uh, hope that the staff behind this game gets to make something awesome. Because yeah, because I, I heard it actually did fairly well games. for a new IP. It, it, it apparently did fairly well. A little under a million, I think. Maybe more with the uh, the iOS version. Yeah, it's so it's, it's not, yeah, it's not like one of those that flew under the radar. It got you know it got rave reviews. Player like you know gamers like like a lot of players actually love it, and um, it sold decently for a new IP. Yeah, I mean, as I said, this is one of my top RPGs of all time, and if you have not played it, I strongly recommend you give it a try. Oh, we didn't did we we didn't mention the music. We, we need to mention the music. We have yet to mention the music, and the music is amazing. <laughs> it is yeah, it is super awesome. It basically it is like its own. It mixes in like. Its own J-pop, um, J-rock, uh, J-hip-hop. Up, up, electronic sounds. Yeah, a lot of electronic sounds. Singing in Japanese and in English. There's just most of it is vocal songs. Uh, this, you know, like there's, you know, this game doesn't have a battle theme. It has like a hundred battle themes. Oh yeah, and they just randomly picked good. based off of where you are in the game, and they change to move through the game. So you're listening to music, music as you progress, and mm-hmm. it kind of reflects different sounds of things. And most of them are amazingly good. Some of them are some of my favorite battle songs of all time. Oh yeah, there's it, some, and you can act, you can also change the in-game music because you can find uh, CDs of the music in various ways by buying it or during battle and such. And you can change like the like the like the uh, the menu. To whatever random theme, if you haven't find it, you want. Uh, there's um, also, I think, a change. The music is like the availability of music changes depending on which partner you have. I think I'm not completely sure. Yeah, I think at least partner and possibly progress in each week as well. But it, mm-hmm. it, they all have different songs to go with them, and uh, and the, it, the just there are times this game I've almost never never do this, but I just I just hit the end of a battle and the battle theme's still playing. I just sit there waiting for a few minutes, listening to the song because I just I don't want the song to end yet. <laughs> Yeah, and I like the I think the like the uh, the uh, North American uh, the Western version anyway I think has some songs missing from the Japanese version, but they have a bunch of new ones not there. I ended up buying both the Japanese soundtrack uh, and bought various songs of iTunes of the Western ones, plus some of the extra songs that were on the iOS version and some of the remixes from Kingdom Hearts 3D. I just love this music. Yeah, and it's just some great music. Did you play the iOS version? No, I haven't. I, I, I've heard it streamlines it. I, I haven't played it. I, it kind of sounds like it's not as... Like, to me, it doesn't sound as fun without two screens, but yeah, just, I don't know. I haven't played it. two screens so. make everything work. I, I can't yes. imagine playing the Roland City without the two screens. I mean, 
I don't know. I own the game, so it's just it's hard for me to even build the will to want to buy the iOS version. Like, I've got this game. It's great as it is. I don't. Need I to bought the tracks on iTunes. iTunes. I did my part. Did you buy Kingdom Hearts Dramatic Dramedary Dysfunction just for the? the I world thought about it function? so hard, and I just said no. I'll just buy the tracks off of iTunes. I mostly just that's enough, and watch this and watch the stuff on YouTube. Yeah, I would love to say that I remember that part amazingly well, but the truth is that pretty much all of dysfunctional <laughs> dromedary dropkick has pretty has receded from my brain, except the fact that yeah, that was my Kingdom Hearts experience, and uh, wow, I did not want to have any more after that. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. basically swore off Kingdom Hearts after Kingdom Hearts two until they released Kingdom Hearts three, which hasn't quite happened yet. So, 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 so at least me... it is finally happening, though. Let's yeah. Share. <laughs> Now, so y'all, y'all sound like you really love it. Let me share my opinion. Okay. And uh, and it's funny you should mention Kingdom Hearts because I, I feel like there's there's a, there's a comparison here, at least for me. And this is just my opinion. So I've never been a huge fan of like action RPGs, uh, especially ones that have crunchy stat grinding underneath the action RPG dealy. Because while that sounds like you're putting peanut butter and jelly together, I find out personally for me, it just seems like they always end up taking like compromising on both of those. Like a pure action game is more action and, and the mechanics are more solid and a pure RPG has better crunch and better tactics and better strategy. And so when you try to put these two together, it, it always feels to me like I'm getting two halves that don't quite equal a whole. But uh, and, and that's the way I feel with Kingdom Hearts. I, I just don't feel like Kingdom Hearts is, I guess the gameplay would be close to like Zelda Ocarina of Time, which felt to me so, so solid, came out years before Kingdom Hearts, and I get to Kingdom Hearts, and it just doesn't feel like the combat doesn't feel quite as solid. Yeah, I can play with numbers underneath the hood, equip items, give Goofy some orders, but it, it, it just never gels well for me. But the world ends with you, it's an entirely different ball of action. It's one of the few instances where you get an action RPG that they bring uh, original stuff to the table. It feels like a fresh experience. It doesn't feel like they took two old experiences and compromised on them a little bit but instead it feels like something original and and um feels like something original and fresh and stuff and, and it's a lot of fun it is i think like you said it, it kind of feels overwhelming at first but if you just start get it give give it an hour and you get through some of the early battles and stuff, you, you you start getting into a rhythm of anticipating when you need to look at the top screen and when the energy passes back down to the bottom screen. And it starts, it, it gets into, yeah, you just start getting into the rhythm of splitting your attention at the right times between these two screens. It's like a game of tennis. And, uh, and, and being able, you know, it's like, how can you watch tennis? That ball goes by so fast. Well, when you understand the rhythm of the game, you already know where to look for the ball. Your eyes are already there. And it's really original. It's a lot of fun. It makes great use of not only the touchscreen, but really excellent use of both screens at the same time for gameplay purposes, not just as an extra inventory screen or or here's a cutscene and we're going to put it on the bottom screen while we keep the characters still on the top screen. You know, no, it's it's actually a game that actually does a really, really great job of, of utilizing both. You add on top of that its original art style, the great music, uh, the intriguing and original story plot lines. It's great. It is absolutely original and it's absolutely fun and it's so easy to recommend. Um, so even even if you ultimately end up not falling head over heels love with it, in which case there's something wrong with you, it, it, it is it is absolutely worth having in your collection because there's nothing else like it. And it's a real crying shame that we have yet to get a proper sequel to this game. I mean, 
afraid even a sequel. There's not enough games borrowing its ideas. Like, yeah. Where are the no, people stealing here? ideas from this game? Kingdom <laughs> Hearts. Yeah, we're getting Kingdom Hearts 15 and and Final Fantasy Kingdom Hearts 15. No, 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 and... no, Phil. We are not getting Kingdom Hearts 15. We are getting Kingdom Hearts 2.7544. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, it just, I, I yeah. It, I mean, that's just my own personal thing. I'm just not a. I'm just ragging on those things. But uh, you know, World Ends with You would be something I would normally be skeptical because it's combining to. No, it isn't combining. It's coming up with something completely original. It's and the, the RPGs no, no, and it's it's really great. It's a lot of fun. It reminds me of the first time that you played like the Final Fantasy actiony, you know, the actiony system or uh, active time, time battle active system. Time battle. Yeah, yeah, it's that level of excitement. Like, what are they doing here? This is different. Um, this is new. So uh, it doesn't feel like we're just taking, let's say, Ratchet and Clank and adding some experience points and leveling up mechanics and then attributes to it. So no, nah, it's it's really really cool and. Yeah. It's still very affordable. Yeah, and this is like this is this is on the top of the many people's, including mine, best like DS games for a reason, for yeah. really good, re- many, re- many real good reasons. Yeah, I think it's almost I want to say the best DS game. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling it right now, System Seller. <laughs> Boom, done. And uh, you can get this game brand new in the shrink wrap for about twenty five bucks. You get a used copy for a little steal. less than that. Nice. That's a yeah. steal. Oh yeah, very much so. It's a little worried it might be a little rare by now, but I guess not yet. No, no. So I mean, you know, don't don't go out there and buy, you know, another knockoff action RPG. Uh, no, buy yourself. The world ends with you, and enjoy an original experience like no other on your Nintendo DS system, and it will work on your 3DS, I'm sure. And you know, you know, if you don't, if you just want the streamlined version to go, just grab the iOS version. I'm, I'm sure Square Enix. Pay attention if you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, because Square Enix is unfortunately not monitoring eBay sales, but it probably is monitoring stuff on iOS. Yeah, I mean, it was a game. It was one of those few DS. Ga- I mean, I'll, I'm a collector, so I'll buy a lot of different things, and and I'll pop it and try it for a couple hours, and probably eighty to ninety percent of my games get thirty to two thirty minutes to two hours just for me to kind of get a feel for it, and then it goes on the shelf, and it's just, I'm a collector. It's there for when I get a hair up my ass and I want to play it. Uh, World Ends With You was that game that you put in, and 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, five hours. It's just like, wow, this is awesome. So, The World Ends With You. Go out and buy your copy today, and while you're rushing to eBay or Half.com or to your local uh, game spot or whatever the hell it's called these days, because I don't shop there. Uh, Are you really going to find The World Ends With You spot? You might. There is like you a, like a. I think there's still a case that has used DS games. I can't remember the last time I saw uh, the world does with you there though. Yeah. Usually the good games have been mined out of those, but you never true, know. True, true, true. So, yeah, you'll probably find lots of Barbie and other licensed junk in there, but <laughs> you might find something good. Not around here, but maybe <laughs> you live in more urban areas than I do. Like I, I again, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a used one in a long time. <laughs> Who'd sell this game? It's too good. Yeah, I don't sell it. Yeah, what are what are y'all uh, thinking? A, a parent who has no idea what the DS even is used for and <laughs> just sees it in the attic. I don't know. I suppose they should well, just play it instead of selling it. Well, so why while y'all are rushing to buy your copy, we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back.
return, and we're ready to do a blast with the recent past segment where we talk about a game or a couple of games that came out about two years ago, and we have chosen for today. We just kind of go over briefly and tell you whether it's worth keeping or playing or what, or going on buying. Maybe maybe you skipped it and you want to get it on sale. Uh, we're ready to talk about today, Bravely Default, which was developed by Silicon Studio, uh, published by Square Enix in Japan and Nintendo here in America, at least according to these notes. Uh, this was released in North America on October 11th, 2012. Wait a minute. That might have been in Japan in 2012. Did we get it in 2012? No, we got it in... 2014, I believe. 2014, right, right. So it's yeah, two years Japan. for us. Yeah, because we got the special, uh, like special, like the special extra bonus stuff edition. They call it for the sequel in Japan, and that's when we got the game. Oh, we here got we go. We, February we 7th, got extra because we got it after the PAL regions. Yeah. Yes, that too. Here it is. Yeah, February yeah, February seventh. Got it because of European translation. Yeah, twenty fourteen. So this is a uh, single player role playing experience, and it's called Bravely to Fall. But it's also known in some circles as Final Fantasy Five Part Two. So <laughs> it's not. Well, it's, all right. BF, well, BF, talk BF, about it, guys. BF, yeah, yeah. BSF is, is an important. important. <laughs> yeah, this is more actually. This is more Final Fantasy Four, the Four Heroes of Light. This is what this well, is. it did. Yeah, it did start as a sequel to the Four Heroes of Light. Then they turned it into its own original game. It's sort of like what happened to uh, Seiken Densetsu, uh, the Mana games, because the original was Seiken Densetsu turned into Final Fantasy Adventure. It was a spinoff of Final Fantasy. Then they said, "Hey, let's make the sequel its own completely original game." Yeah, but if, if you've played Four Heroes of Light, you've, you can probably like recognize several enemy models and such. It's, you know, very strong reminiscent visually. Hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see the visual similarities, although for a 3DS game, it does look pretty good in its 3D stuff. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, it's a very good looking as far as, 3DS, as far as 3DS games go. Yeah, it's a very pretty game. And I think anyone who has played it will remember the iconic phrase, Murderer! <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I still like uh, the her the, uh, the, that character is um, Adia Lee. Her voice actress is um, coincidentally Cassandra Lee Morris. And every time I hear a character voiced by her, I half expect her to say mur- the character to say Murgerger because <laughs> Cassandra ha- has no range. She doesn't. Like they all sound like Adia. All her characters. So well, so did you all did, uh, tell us uh, just briefly uh, what what really makes this game stand out or makes it a dud? This this game is for me kind of a conflict of two very contrasting impulses. On one hand, I love its use of the job system, some of its basic battle system elements, like the it just it's a very solid version of the job system with lots of cool jobs, lots of cool abilities. It's got some great fights, and you have to like piece together your abilities to pretty complex ways to get a big advantage you need to win. On the other hand, this game is a long boring slog half the time. It's just p- terribly paced and I've put a hundred hours for the game and I, I'm, don't, the end is not in sight. Dang. And I've just gotten kind of sick uh, of it. I mean, I... I just want to move on to the sequel already, but I'm still not done with the original. I mean, it, it kind of... Be, it can become, this, like, there's a, there's a really annoying part everybody complains about and I'm not fond of it either, starting in Chapter 5, where you do a lot of re- re- repetitive stuff. Before you finally get to, you know, do you finally start to wrap things up? There are little bits of the, the sensation that you are doing something you have done before. <laughs> 
Deja vu, the sensation that you are doing something you have done before. <laughs> like, you get, like, these tiny bits of what's going on with the story. You get little little bits of characterizations of both the main characters and the antagonists, but... In between like, them doing exactly what they've been doing multiple times already. Exactly. Like, and, they could have shortened this down. They could have chopped off two chapters and everybody would have been happier. I mean, this like, is a game in which, you know, there are so many chapters, there's so many things that things happen over and over again, and... Even the first time around, the entire story was two groups of people both being idiots. And that's and a story. Everyone's an idiot. That's every, well, everybody seems to be like, it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's one point where I think they kind of get it, but then later they're surprised by certain things, so I'm not certain. Like, here's a weird thing. To get the special ending, you have to ignore what the game is, like, obviously telling you. It's kind of part of the title. Bravely default, you're, you're defaulting, you're holding, you're biding your time before you spring it for the final to get the good ending. But again, it's a smart. It's one of those things where it's a smart idea in print, like in a smart idea that is really dumb when you actually put into practical use. I think this is a game which is tr- it's try. The, the writers are trying to be really clever and deconstructionist about the entire four Heroes of Light story. Yeah, they just kind of flubbed it hard. Yeah, and there's some like there's like I I, I actually love the ending to this in so many ways. I wish I could talk about it more, but it's horrendously spoiled spoilerific but there's just like I, there's so many things that blew me away um i'll just put i'll just drop this at the very beginning of the game you do this little silly uh ar thing with the using the, like the ar card you get it, at first it's just like oh they're just trying to make it look like this character is in the real world and then you know by like like, like looking like a hologram type thing and then you much later find out this is actually a pivotal story moment i just it, it didn't need those two it, if it didn't have those two extra chapters it would be perfect but this, I actually, I, I adore Bravely Default. I adore it. I, I love the characters. I, I, I think the story is pretty, like, I I enjoy the, the story ideas and do enjoy it for the most part, despite a lot of stupid things and characters doing stupid things. The music is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I've actually, that is true. It has some of the best final boss themes I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, the composer, Revo, uh, he's, he usually is the leader of a, band, a Japanese band called uh, Sound Horizon. I've become a big fan of his and of them. Because of this game, yeah, and the I mean, battle, yeah, the battle system's loads of fun. Like this is actually this is one of my most favorite 3DS games ever. I, I love it. Despite yeah, I mean, this is a 3DS game which I think if it's half as long as it is, I'd be in love with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I guess but, I just have a tolerance for you know stupid like stupid pacing. I guess. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's my really big complaint. Like you know the story that is a bit weak because it depends on everyone being kind of stupid. Yeah. And... I did appreciate the fast-forward feature in battles. That helps out enormously. Yeah, that does help yeah. a lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah, and so it's controlling the uh, the encounter rate. Very, that, very useful. Yeah. This game has a lot of great features, which are, you know, just great things like that. So I, I really appreciate those, too. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, like, there's so much, like, if it's so... just a bit better, this would be a great game. But what? the things that are so weak are so weak. Let me let me let me let me just. It, it was really funny. I saw a lot of praise for the whole fact that you could turn down the enemy encounters and stuff. You could turn still, them off completely. Too. You could turn them off completely. Right. I saw a lot of praise for this. Like this was some kind of earth shattering thing. But it, it, I was one of the few people who wasn't so excited about it for one huge reason. And 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 it kind of goes back to the world ends with you. And we were talking about how you can completely avoid ninety nine percent of those encounters as well. But the thing with Tweeny is. You want to get into fights. 
because the battle system is fundamentally very fun to play. And, and of course, you know, the fact that you can get more powerful and stuff along the way just makes it, you know, that's a, that's a little extra frosting on the cake. But the cake itself is really good. Not to say that Bravely Default's battle system is, uh, you know, is totally not fun. But it doesn't quite. Which it isn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's it's a loads of fun. It doesn't reward you. Mm. I guess except for the whole. Oh, it's more challenging on a higher level. For some people, yeah, that's enough. Yeah, the big problem with Fallout is it's got this great battle system, but you're mostly fighting the same boring fights over and over. It, yeah, that's my. It, it does give you a lot of boss fights because it's so repetitive, and you end up fighting the same bosses over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it's like, and some of the, the <laughs> yeah. bosses that repeat are the boring ones. The ones that don't repeat are the good ones. And that's what annoys me. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. you do fight like the uh, the asterisk fight, like the asterisk holders, and like these special group battles, and I love those. Yeah, let me, so, let me put my my skill matching and class matching to the test. It is so awesome. Yeah, okay, I I love that. If for one fact, I did one perfectly and then got murdered to the very last action of the end of the last enemy in that I just I haven't been able to pick up the game since and I still can't figure out how to deal with Boris's self-explosion move <laughs> just annoying so uh, what did I do yeah I can't remember what I did with that one I did something yeah I mean that's hmm. that's the thing if, you, if your battle system's fun if it's balanced so that I don't feel like I'm getting my ass kicked, but it's not so easy. I just want to fast forward through it. I have to, you know, stop and pay attention, and it feels re- my decisions in the battle feel rewarding. Um, it's playing, you know, intelligently. You know, means I cream the enemies better or whatever. Um, then, then I'm going to want to get into a few more random encounters, I and mean, it's not going to bother well, me as much unless to, it's completely fair, overwhelming. To be slightly fair, uh, you only have to refight the Crystal Guardians over and over. You yeah, don't but, have to fight all the people over and over. No, but there's like little tidbits of story and characterization in them. I mean, it's a, it's small, but it's there. And you're right, you don't need it for the best ending at all. You just have to bite, bite those That's four bosses. That's true, of the but I mostly didn't because by that point I was... Mac had given it to me for a review, so uh, I was trying to review it. Well, I spent like 170 hour, 75 hours on the game, so yeah. Holy cow! <laughs> Nathan, I think you've been beaten. Wow! And I probably more in my actually maybe double let me check right let me see if I can check right now because that's just like clocked in the game. I probably spent more time if I had to restart a fight or something. Or let me see if I get I'm pretty sure it's like one of my Also to be fair, games. I have good memories of this game because I think Mac was being kind when he gave it to me. And you may remember some other game that I waxed extremely hateful about once upon a time <laughs> that I was playing at the same time and this was a very welcome break from it because it did not make me want to gouge out my eyes and break all my fingers so that I would be unable to play it anymore oh dear you could you could you could uh, adjust the enemy uh, ran- encounters could you also not increase or decrease how difficult they were yeah you can also yeah. Yeah, there was easy normal and hard I, I thought it was pretty balanced on normal oh here we go According to my, I, apparently I spent actually a total of 216 mi- hours and 49 minutes on Bravely Default. Wow. That's Cassandra, I, I think you got your money's worth out of the game. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, not mind you, I spent almost 700 hours on Fire Emblem Awakening, so, and almost 500 on Pokemon Y, so I'm not. Your dedication is impressive. I <laughs> No wonder you don't play that many games. You spend this much time on each one. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just wasting my time on Fantasy 14. <laughs> so, so it sounds like Cassandra would definitely buy it uh, again, and 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 that's interesting because it pretty much is running at the same price as it did before. Like, uh, you got most copies going for like forty bucks. Of course, if you want the it's, collector's edition, brand new, okay. the shrink wrap, that's one hundred and fifty. 
Oh, yeah, I got mine for, what was it, like another $10 extra? Yeah. I, I actually have it. I, I'm looking at it right now next to my Bravely Second um, Collector's Edition. So uh, uh, what about uh, so what about you, Nathan? You kind of sound like you're on the fence. Would you would you recommend that to a, a friend or something? Honestly, I'd recommend playing this game. It's a good game. It does a lot of things. It's very clever. Good battle system. You can probably get like fifty to seventy hours out of it without complaint. It's just you know you might not finish it in that time. <laughs> if you want to finish it, it can be a little bit of a slog. So. Like I, th- I thought it was worth it for the ending and for the. Be- I-, I thought everything like summed up pretty good with the with a bit of a like a sort of a like one sore spot because of that rep- repetition. But I just I, I I really like I love this game. Yeah, I really think I just need to sit down and beat this, and enjoy the ending, and move on to the second sequel. Since the, the demo for the sequel makes it seem like it improves a lot of things I was complaining about. So yeah, sure. that's what I. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. I am disappointed that they didn't get Revo back for the music though. Sigh. <laughs> well, he does have a day job. Maybe yeah, he's yeah. busy doing that. A, yeah, there was a good reason. He like there was a conflict in their scheduling, and I think he was coming out with his um his uh, ninth or tenth album by then. So you know, that, I'm sure that comes first. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure record companies are probably very uh, angry if you don't immediately fulfill your contractual obligations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Especially and, in this day and age. Yeah, and, and I would definitely uh, recommend uh, getting it. It does have a lot of uh, a charm, and, and the classes are fun to, to fart around with for quite some time before it, it out. It does, unfortunately, because of the, the ending. I, I don't know what the hell they were doing those last few chapters. Uh, but uh, Yes, you it do, does, Phil. They were making you do the same thing over, over and over again. Over again. <laughs> for, uh, it's a, again, it's a fascinating reason, but it's a really dumb uh, – like, it's it's – it's a really dumb like to do it to actually do it. It's a smart it's idea. The kind of thing that would probably work better in a movie where you can just see with a quick yeah, exactly. end it happen over and over actually, instead of I having think, to do it. Yeah, I think the writer usually does um uh, what's it called visual novels usually I think which borrows which uses some similar repetition like you know yeah. A visual novel would probably tell the story a lot better than this game does. Yeah, because it's a visual novel. That's kind of the point. <laughs> tell a story. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, and and it does it brings it back uh, a lot of that old school, you know, fi- you know, early Final Fantasy vibe that that has been missing uh, for me, anyways, uh, lately. So uh, at least you know, on more modern consoles, anyways. So that's pretty cool. So for that alone, I, I figured it was worth the pickup to show that I support that still, and I did have. But you fun loved with Final it. Fantasy thirteen, Phil. We know uh, that. <laughs> Okay, now we're stopping this. Okay, we're going to take another break, and we'll be right back. You don't don't want me to... Wait, Phil, there's a Final Fantasy on this blast from the recent past. No, no, we're ignoring that. (laughs) No. But but the iOS version has to be the best. No, no, we're not talking about the (laughs) mutilation of my favorite RPG of all time. We're we're not going there. It creeped me out just looking at the screenshots of it. Then (sighs) I'll just say that if you are a One Piece fan... Um, and you haven't played One Piece Romance Dawn, uh, I can't really recommend it. And if you are not a One Piece fan, I have no idea why you would be interested in the first place. And if you haven't played Final Fantasy VI and the iOS is the only way you can do it, I suppose it's better than never playing it at all, but, but please there get There are a, a lot DS. of other ways you other can play Other ways, that. so many other ways, so many better <laughs> ways. Um, okay, Break out the Super Nintendo and play the original version. Oh I'm pretty gosh. sure it's on the virtual console. <laughs> Or yeah, it's on the yep. version. I'm sure it is. Or there are or, better versions. Or or do what I do. I have the uh, the Game Boy Advance slot, and I got mm-hmm. that DS, and it's great on there. Um, anywho, we're gonna take a break, and we'll come back to wrap this up with a final lap after these commercial messages. And I find the button. The button's important. 
Oh, welcome back. This is a final lap. We'll read your comments, do kitchen sink stuff, share Phil's new passions, and much more. Uh, let's see. Your comments for episode 168, The Fastest Ship in the Galaxy. Uh... You can tell that Omega just looked at my blurb and didn't bother listening to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Why listen to the show? Just. But uh, our good friend uh, Boudet said that level 5 really knows how to do cel-shaded graphics. That's why I'm a firm believer that art style can really change how a game feels. And hey, we just talked about that, right? With The World Ends With You. Mm. The style in that game really does bring it all home, as if, you know, the, the, the gameplay and stuff wasn't just all gels together. Uh, go and buy that game. Just do it. System seller. Buy the system if you don't have it. System seller. Yeah, for anyone who still hasn't bought a DS, what the heck are you waiting for at this point? Plays just fine on the 3DS. That's true. But if you buy a, a DS, then you don't necessarily need to get a GBA so you can play older stuff. True. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we'd love to hear your comments. You can do that over at forums.rpgamer.com. And, uh, and, and we, hey, might, we might have had more comments if this thing called E3 hadn't been happening. Very busy with E3. Yep. We got some comments, too, uh, actually on Twitter. While I pull that up, though, Mike, why don't you tell us what our next show is all about? Well, if we go by our plan, which has been known to be derailed from time to time, we're going to go and talk about Lunar 2, Eternal Blue. And, you know, it's it's not worth giving it another show, so we'll probably have to talk about whatever else there is in the Lunar series. I got a... Uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Also got, so I got to find my tweet, and it's from Tig's Panther, and he says, Finally rolled the credits on Yakuza 4, stalled at the final chapter for a year, but then heard the RPG backtrack with uh, JC Servant and Mary go down. He would have put your name in there, Mike, but you couldn't quite fit it in. There's only 140 characters in Twitter. That's true, and I had less to say than Mr. Foul Sorcerers anyway on that one. <laughs> so you can use the hashtag uh, RPG Backtrack. Uh, you can you can follow that uh, hashtag on Twitter, and, and I put stuff on there using the hashtag all the time. If you don't want to follow my uh, very politically incorrect uh, Twitter feed, if you do, you can do that at JC Servant. Mr. Minky is at Jumason. Cassandra, is that what? Strawberry eggs? Uh, at Berry Eggs. Somebody berry took eggs. strawberry eggs, shockingly. Ah. And, Jerks. Uh, I don't think Nathan tweets. Does Nathan tweet? I mostly tweet the boss that runs the Final Fantasy V for Job Fiesta. So if you want to hear me, the, the latest crystal I've hit in that, go ahead. But. What's your handle? Uh, Twin Bahamut. Twin, oh, that's right. You are on there. Okay. So yeah, follow us on Twitter. Uh, or you can follow... I'm not going to say much. Just... Or you can just follow RP Gamer and get all your RPG news by following at RP Gamer. Uh, let's heck, see here. Heck, what? I don't say much on Twitter either. People have noticed that, I'm sure. Hmm. <laughs> Um, so let's do a roundtable. Um, since you've been gone for a little bit, Mr. Nathan, why don't we start with you? What's been, uh, what you've been playing? Um, well, other than the usual Addiction 12 to 14, which I'm actually getting back into for the first time in a while, actually. I took a kind of a long break there. Um, but let's see here. Imported Super Robot Wars Original Generation 2nd. And finally, it's like four years uh, overdue, so I finally decided to get that. And halfway through playing it, they announced the sequel of Super Robot Wars The Moon Dwellers, which is going to be in English, which is going to hurt my... Right, the, the Asian somebody. translation. Yeah, the Asian translation, which is super awesome. It's going to completely ruin my sweet, meager attempts at actually learning Japanese that have been slowly budding through translating Super Robot Wars games. But, you know, I'm... I actually don't understand what they're saying, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, let's see here. 
I'll just uh, hope it's better than some other translations. <laughs> you know, yeah, a couple of years I, ago, a friend of mine had Super Robot Wars OG the second, and I played, I think, the first battle with him. And now he's in Cleveland, and I'm still in California, so that's kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry to hear that. Um, yeah, I, just, I love that series. So looking forward to actually you know, playing it in English again. Seeing a continuation of that story, even though I only have a loose idea what happened in the previous game, and there's one chapter or two I don't know anything about, but that's okay. You didn't play Gaiden, right? No, I, I didn't. It's like I just got through with uh, oh, just the second, and I just, you know, I don't really feel like getting to another game before they release the next one in August. So yeah, and Gaiden requires that you get an import game on the PS2 going, which is kind of a pain. At least that's yeah, it's, it's really hard to do. There's, then there's Dark Prison, which is, you know, another PS3 one, which is basically just a filler thing, as far as we can tell, so I'm not too hyped about that, especially since it's starring my least favorite character in the franchise. So, not too hyped about that one, so I'm just going to wait for Moon Dwellers, showing off some stuff I've been really wanting to see, so I'm hyped for that. And one thing that see. has been true for many years there will always be more Super Robot Wars. <laughs> yep, quite indeed so. Uh, let's see here. Orishika I'm stuck on. It's a fun game, but I'm stuck on it, and I kind of hate that. Um, what else have I been playing? Can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, doing the Fallout Posse 5 for Job Fiesta, which, you know, I'm doing super well, and then I got to New X Death and immediately died, and that wasn't very fun, so I had to go grind and someone to try it bottom again. Um... I know I've been playing other things, I just can't think at the top of my head right now. I'm sorry. If you come up with it before the the show is done, feel free to chime in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Until then, we'll let uh, Miss uh, Miss Strawberry Eggs share what she wants to share. My apologies okay. for being boring. Well, E3 wrapped up, so and I actually I helped out more than I did last year. Alex still did the brunt of it, but... You know, I'm check out sorry all the... for failing you in this regard. I should be posting okay. my news. It's okay. It's okay. Again, we we managed we we managed it. So you know, check up on the news. Check up on all. We have loads of impressions of the games there. Check it out. Um, also, we do have a, a feature coming up in July. We'll be participating in JRPG July again, uh, where we'll uh, you'll see exactly on full details as to how it, the format's going to go, how to follow us, and you can all you can also play you know pick any JRPG to play through the month. Um, why don't you play maybe The World Ends With You if you haven't already? <laughs> I'll be doing Bravely Second, and if I somehow manage to finish that, I doubt it considering how much time I spent on the first game, but if I do, I'll try play something else. Um, uh, meanwhile, though, I've been I've been playing lots of Fire Emblem Fates. I'm just wrapping up a whole bunch of... Uh, I'm doing like, I'm recruiting all of the uh, second generation characters, and then I'm going to do the DLC and finish that. And um, also, and uh, on another note, I'm looking at the on Friday. They're coming out with a game I'm looking forward to a lot. Uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Sessions Sharp FE. Looking forward to that game for a long time. Yeah, it's. I think it had some troubles on the way, but it, it looks fun. So I've been looking forward to it too. Oh, oh, they, oh, they, oh, I all saw the that Max toys around that offering. game is ridiculous. Just the just the different things from the, its very existence to the the local to the changes in the localized version to the lack of an English dub. I just want to play this game and enjoy it. I've had enough. Yeah, I, there's so much to say about. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes here, but I still want to just try playing it. Play what? Tokyo Mirage Session Sharp FE. Uh, if, oh, if yeah. you recognize it as the the game that started as a Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem crossover and then took it in a completely different direction than everybody was expecting. 
but it still actually offers an RPG on the Wii U, which yeah, which is yeah. Not <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a turn based RPG on a console. How common are those anymore? Uh, especially yeah. if you got a unless you I don't know I can tell you I got a Wii U unless you're doing the virtual console whatever the hell it's called there ain't any really hardly any <laughs> no any I mean other. on the on the PlayStation Four you've got like you got basically Atelier uh, games and uh, those uh, those ones with the girls uh, representing the different consoles. Um, Neptunia, yeah, there, there's your two choices, and and you can throw in Disgaea if you consider that, but it's more of a strategy. But yeah, there's, yeah, they're they're a rare breed. Yeah, so here it's here, and it looks like a loads of fun. I just like I like the look of the combos and the doing tons of damage, and it's supposed to be a, a challenging game, not an unfair way, but challenging. Which again, Fire Emblem and the Megami Tensei series, those are both challenging series. This is not surprising. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there you go. It's, I'm done. <laughs> All right. How about you, Mr. Mankey? Well, I actually have to write a review for something Grand Kingdom. I got that. I had just downloaded it when we were last recorded, and I was able to blitz through... You know, this game seems to be oddly structured. It looks like I finished the entire story mode, but then when I completed it, it tells me something about, here are more campaigns available for you. So now I discover, oh, hey, look, there's more. But I got the credits. It gave me an ending of sorts, so I'm going to review it and I'll append it later if it turns out that this extra content turns out to be so much more substantial that it changes my view. Uh, Grand Kingdom. I I enjoyed it for the most part. It's kind of a tactical game using a board game setup. You move your piece around the board while other pieces are moving around. There are things in the way that you have to deal with. And when you get into a fight, it looks like Guardian Heroes, almost. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And... I, I'll get my thoughts into a little better order for the review, of course. Just saying, this was pretty good, and you should go buy it. Does not make for a very good review by our standards. Might might fall a little short of our word requirement. Yeah. (laughs) But just going into an an explanation of every single mechanic right now seems kind of dry and dull, and I'd rather not. (laughs) Because I do have to write the review where I'm going to have to do that anyway. Um, Let's see what else. I played a little more Borderlands 2. I love that game. Except for the fact that I got into... Once you've beaten it twice, on then you get into something called Ultimate Vault Hunter mode, where the enemies all scale with you, and they all take forever to kill, because their HP meters are just ridiculous. And I tried go, I tried going back for one more achievement, which involved killing something called Terramorphous the Invincible. And Terramorphous is a jerk, because it likes to knock me off the side of the cliff, and uh, that's just annoying. <laughs> So I may not be able to get that achievement. Oh, woe is me. What? Um, I don't know. About the only discovery I made was that uh, I rewatched Ratatouille, and you know what? That's that's still a really good movie. That That's probably the best movie I've ever seen with rats in the lead. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it, too. I, I last saw it nine years ago in the theater, booted it up over the weekend, and yeah. It, it seems simple until you see just how badly this sort of thing can be done. Yeah, that's about all I've got, unless you want to talk about X-Men Apocalypse, Phil, which I'm sure you went out and saw the theater because you just can't get enough X-Men movies. Yeah, I'm a few X-Men movies behind. I don't know. Ever since they ditched Patrick Stewart, it's just not the same anymore. He was in Days of Future Past. Yeah, sort of. 
Anyway, uh, you know, so speaking of, 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 you know, E3 and stuff, there, there's a few things I saw that were kind of uh, interesting, but on the RPG format, not a metric ton, but there's one thing that absolutely, we, we talk about the style of the world ends with you and the such, and along the other line, there was just one snippet, one small snippet that caught my eye, and that was Persona 5. And uh, and so I did a, a search, and I found that there was, in fact, a full E3 2016 trailer uh, made for E3 2016, for, for, for Persona. There's been other trailers, but I want to see the newest, latest, and greatest showing some of the gameplay and stuff. And, oh my gosh, that game just looks so bloody awesome! And it just looks gorgeous! And it's going to be turn-based, and it's not gonna be complete fan service uh on the ps4 you know because that's pretty much all we get nowadays so i'm like super excited it's it's and i'm like wow this is really cool so i'm like wait a minute i haven't actually sat down and gotten very far in persona 3 or 4 and we all know the first couple don't count so uh so i i just i immediately jumped on my my playstation and jumped into after asking on Twitter what people thought about because I have both the FES on the PlayStation Two and I've got the uh, the PSP PlayStation Three portable version and so I asked uh, some people and got some feedback and ultimately decided to go ahead and do the 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 the, the play, PlayStation Two version which unfortunately you don't get to control your team members which which does aggravate me I uh, that was almost just the the big thing to make me do the portable aside from portability. I, I like that though. I like that aspect of Persona Three. Uh, personality. Oh yeah, real personality. When I stick what's her face onto support heal and uh, Akahiko, whatever his name is, is down to like forty hit points, and she doesn't heal. <laughs> uh, there's her her personality is that she doesn't have a brain. But for the most part, the AI does a pretty good job. But there's just sometimes where you're just like really woman, really or really dude, really, and you just want to slap him upside the head. Uh, so, but what I did to conf, especially knowing it's a Shimigami Tensei game, and people who listen to RPG Backtrack have heard. Heard me say, tell the story about how Shimigami Tensei Strange Journey beat me. I didn't beat it, it beat me. So knowing the famous SMT difficulty level and the fact I couldn't control those other two party members and have that level of strategy, I'm playing it on easy and I've already cleared the first uh, block. Uh, and got through the first month, and that that uh, on easy, it really, it really is easy. I didn't even heal through the last bo- at all in the last boss fight. So, uh, but it is really cool going through the story and, and doing all the different decisions and going through the, the the social interactions. And and that game's using English style. And then a few days later, when I was out on the road, I'm like, let me let me get four going at the same time. And I got Persona Four Golden on the Vita. And holy freaking cow! If you've got, uh, I don't know if this is just because I got the first generation of Vita, which has the OLED, I think it's that's what it's called, OLED or LCD or whatever. It's got the brighter, more prettier screen. The newer ones don't look quite as good as uh, they, they were trying to save a few bucks, uh, from what I understand. But holy shanukas, uh, holy shiitake mushrooms! It, it is so bright, so beautiful. It, the colors are so vibrant; they can only be described as fluorescent. And and then with the music and the motion, the animation, it is just so so stylish. Um, only Persona Five looks better in this generation. So, uh, in my opinion, it's just it's just really really stylish, and it's a lot of fun. And I can already I've already gotten through a few weeks on that and see where they've added some depth to like uh, the fusions uh, and, and the such, and and so uh, yeah, it's where I'm just I'm on my Persona kick because Persona Five comes out mid February, I understand, give or take, uh, in 2017. So I will have these. 
yeah, I will have these too. Uh, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a mission. These things are gonna be beat by then, if not well before. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. If I have to quit, if I have to take like two weeks of unpaid leave, it will happen. It's gonna going to go down. Considering their length. Well, considering I stick them on, I, I consider I put them on easy. So I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be able to cakewalk. Hopefully, cakewalk through it. So we'll see. Yeah. So yeah, I'm super excited. Working my way through those games. Mm, what else? Uh, I don't know. I don't think a, a whole lot else because I took everything out of everything and put in Persona games and everything. So uh, I was playing a lot of Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors. Mindless beating up crap is always fun. Anywho, guess that's about it then. Guess we'll wrap it up. Yep, that's what we'll do. We'll wrap it up. We'll remind you that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. You're home for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. So, speaking of E3 and stuff, we're the place to be at. Really, boys and girls, you don't care about some new God of War game coming out or Gears of War, whatever the hell it's called. Pfft, those are boring. <laughs> you want to know what's going on with real role-playing games, you need to be following. Like Halo. Like, like Halo. <laughs> Do, are we covering that? Tell me we're not covering that, Minky. No, we're not. Okay. Lord only knows we found some other shooter games because they had some RPG mechanics somewhere in it. Hey, Phil, you've <sighs> played Borderlands 2. Would you say it deserves to be covered by us? <sighs> yeah, I just, you know what? I've been playing Borderlands 2. I can tell you that when you can sit there and not have any effect because you're too low a level, then it definitely has an RPG mechanic to it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Well, you know, better than yet another zombie game, I guess. <laughs> uh, oh, good grief when they showed that on the Sony conference. Uh, and to end off this really great show, here's another zombie game. No, please, <laughs> please make it stop. <laughs> Wait, I can come up with one. How about you play as the zombie? <laughs> Hey, Wouldn't that oh, be kind of different? That, that probably that would be pretty funny. Oh, oh, real quick though, I will mention. Speaking of bright colors, beautiful and stylized, along those lines, Odin Sphere. Holy crap! I got that one. I had it on pre-order PlayStation Four. Probably mentioned it last show, but damn, it looks good. Ah, beautiful game. Beautiful Love game. game. We're actually talking about upgrading the TV just to just to fully enjoy it. So, anywho, uh, I digress. Uh, but yeah, we had tons of really great E3 coverage, uh, a really uh, a hard-working team bringing you RPG-focused news, and a lot of stuff like, for example, Spellforce 3 impressions from E3. Uh, I've played Spellforce 3. It's that RTS RPG blend, and uh, and and no one else was covering. I follow a lot of different websites. Uh, you know, it's just a ton of stuff on there. You got you got to go and check it out. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, we have Final Fantasy 15 because everyone's talking. But uh, other RPGs wait, that wait, 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 Phil, here's something that actually would fall under our rubric: Final Fantasy 12, the Zodiac Edition. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that was exciting. Yeah, that that that's um, some, that's, wait, that's that's not a Final Fantasy 12 in my prison. Oh right, right. You <laughs> don't, you're not the biggest fan. But Nathan, this is the new version that you never got to play. I'm mm-hmm. sure this will make every difference in the world, and you will think it's awesome now that these changes, which only Japan has been able to experience before, are uh, are given to you. It's like classes hey, and seriously. stuff. Zodiac job system means it is now up to the quality of Final Fantasy One's job system. Yay. I'm so <laughs> impressed. <laughs> 
Sometimes you just got to go. Be, sometimes you got to go back to the basics. That was kind of like our conversation about. The, we had a bit of on our forums. We had a bit of conversation about D and D Fifth Edition, which came up about a year ago, and 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 now I've been playing it for a few months. It, they kind of went back to First Edition. My friend and I sat down. We started playing a few games together, and we're like, "Damn, this is First Edition. Dang, this is First Edition. Dang, this is First Edition." <laughs> they got rid of a lot of the crap. Don't get me wrong, but anywho, sometimes you got to go back to your roots. Uh, but anyway, check it out. Tons and tons of really awesome stuff going on, uh, E3 coverage wise at rpgamer.com. And, uh, we got lots of other podcasts on there. I'm, I'm sure that we had a really long E3 RPG cast, for example. You can almost bet on it. So go and I check it out. I don't know if one's popped up yet, but that's probably because Chris and Anna went to the show, so they had to get home and start recording it. There you go. So check it out at rpgamer.com. Uh, hmm. And uh guess you could put us to bed, Mr. Meeky. Well, I should probably extol the virtues of being ambidextrous or able to focus on things with both eyes at the same time, because that will help you out a lot when you're starting to learn the world's end with you battle system. And yeah, that's all I got for now. Right.
Shame I see, memories in. 